Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real, or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Reach listeners, it's Mick from The Past and the Curious. Hey, we're in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign for our new book, I See Lincoln's Underpants. If you'd like to learn more, you can head over to thepastandthecurious.com. The book will be out later this year, but we're using the Kickstarter as a pre-sale with some extra perks. Many of the stories in the book are currently being featured on our podcast feed as a series called The Underwear Chronicles. And fans of Reach might like to know that there are a few tales of underwear in space. Soundsington Media! Welcome to another edition of Reaching Out from Reach, a space podcast for kids. In Reaching Out, we take time to answer questions about space from kids around the world. This week is a really special episode of Reaching Out. We're following up on an actual topic Meredith and I were discussing in a previous episode. Let's listen. Hey, Brian, if you could ask just one question about the solar system, what would it be? Hmm, I think I would ask, where is Planet Nine? (gasps) That's what I would ask, too. Or is there a Planet Nine for sure? We've had a lot of questions from our listeners about Planet Nine, and it's obviously been something we're curious about as well. So to learn more, we spoke with Dr. Mike Brown, who is a Richard and Barbara Rosenberg Professor of Planetary Astronomy at the California Institute of Technology. Hey, let's hear what Dr. Brown had to say. Planet Nine is this is this idea that we had, gosh, six years ago now, actually more than that. The first paper came out six years ago. And this idea that, that um, there is a giant planet still to be found in the outer solar system beyond the orbit of, of Neptune, and that that giant planet is tugging some of the most distant objects in the solar system along and aligning them in this way that, that allows us to see it. So we, we first realized that there was something going on Seven or eight years ago, and I'm going to say I'm going to say we a lot, and we means um, me and uh, Constantine Batigan, who is my my friend and colleague just down the hall here. I remember going into his office one day and and showing him how all of these objects at the Kuiper Belt, this this asteroid like region beyond Neptune, all of these objects, the most distant ones, have their orbits all lined up in one way, and they're all tilted in one way, and we sort of stared at this, trying to understand what was going on, and the obvious solution when you see anything like that in the outer solar system is to say, gosh, it must be a giant planet tugging these along. And both of us sort of made that joke like, uh, that would be dumb, giant planet. Uh, nobody, nobody's going to believe that. That's crazy because we, of course, knew there are no giant planets left to be found in the outer solar system. So we spent a year working really hard at the math, trying to understand how other things could make this happen. And we finally came to the conclusion that the only way we could explain what we're seeing in the outer part of the solar system is that there has to be 
a giant planet tugging along at these most distant objects. And we, we predicted that it was out there about six years ago. We, we published this paper saying it's out there, but we didn't know a lot about it. We knew that it could do, that its gravity could do the things we wanted to do, but we didn't quite know how to figure out where it was, how big it was, all the different things about it. So we've spent most of the past six years really developing the, the physics and the mathematical theory to understand how we can use these, these gravitational tugs that we're seeing to try to pinpoint the planet. It's, it's a lot like um, what happened back in the 1840s with uh, Urbain Le Verrier, who was using the, the perturbations of Uranus to kind of predict where this new planet might be. Turns out it was Neptune. He predicted it perfectly. He basically said, there's a planet right there. He, he sent a message to the, to the observatory in Berlin, and they opened up the telescope and found it that very night. We are not as good as Le Verrier. Um, we cannot tell you exactly where this planet is. He had it a little bit easier. Uh, he got to watch Uranus go all the way around the sun uh, for a couple of hundred years. And so that helped him pinpoint it. We, we haven't had a couple hundred years, but if you can wait about 500 years, we'll be able to pinpoint exactly where it is. But for now, what we can tell you is that with, through the mathematics that we've developed, through the physics that we now understand, we can tell you that this planet, this giant planet is about seven times the mass of the earth, which let's just stop for a second. That's huge. This is, this is no, you know, tiny little ice ball, maybe a little larger than Pluto that we'll argue about. This is the fifth largest planet in our entire solar system. Seven times the mass of the earth, maybe six, maybe eight, but we can, you know, pinpoint it to something like that. It's probably something like uh, 15 times further away than Neptune, which is really far out there. So it's not part of this kind of a uh, regular system of planets that we look at where each planet is just a little further away than the next. It's really far out there. And and the strangest part about it is it's on a elongated orbit, unlike the mostly circular orbits of the other planets. It's elongated and it's tilted compared to the plane of the other planets. And actually the, the elongation and the tilt are why we know it's there because it's those extra little strange directions that it's pulling that shows us what's happening. So we know, we know about how big it is. We about know about how far away it is. And from that, we can guess about how bright it is. And it's, um, <laughs> the problem is it's a pretty big range. It's ranges somewhere between barely bright enough to see with, with a really large backyard telescope and so faint that you need the biggest telescopes on the earth to see it. So somewhere in that range. Okay. It's a pretty big range, but, um, but we're slowly ruling out. We've, we pretty much ruled out the, the bright end of that range. If it was that bright, we would have seen it. We have now been systematically going through old pictures, old images that people have taken to see if we can track it down and basically connect the dots. Was it here one night and here one night, here one night? Can we, can we connect those and see that it was there? We've tried from old, old data from you know relatively small telescopes to see bright things. We're slowly moving to bigger and bigger telescopes as we rule out the, the brightest parts of it. And now we're kind of into the moderately bright things. These are so now we're looking at, you know, medium-sized telescopes, medium bright objects. We'll finally move to some of the biggest telescopes. If we haven't found it, we'll move to the biggest telescopes and try to track it down to there. I'm I'm fairly confident 
that we will find it in all of these searches that we're doing, but I just don't know when, and I don't know exactly where. We do know the path in the sky that it takes. Um, so I could, if I could paint across the sky, I could paint you a swath and you would see it somewhere in that swath, but we don't know where in that swath it is, which is, which is why we're not as good as Leverrier. Leverrier knew both the swath and the position in the swath. And we, we only know that it's somewhere 360 degrees around the sky. So we're slowly going all the way around the sky, looking through here. And as I said, I think we'll find it. I am pretty convinced it's really there. I just don't think that we can explain all these different things we're seeing in the solar system without this giant planet nine. And if it's medium bright, we'll see it relatively soon. It's fainter. It may take us a while. The, the biggest uncertainty in how bright it is and therefore how, how soon we're going to find it is what it is. We, we know that it's seven times the mass of the earth. But we don't know if that means it's like a large rocky earth-like body that's just much bigger or, or maybe ice-like body that's much bigger. Or is it more like a small version of Uranus and Neptune, which would be a gas body? A small version of Uranus and Neptune would be great because that means it's a bigger object, more reflective, easy to see, brighter. An Earth-like body would be smaller, darker, hard to see. And we just don't know. And the reason we don't know is because we don't know of any planets that are between the mass of the Earth and the mass of Neptune. So we just don't know what they're going to be like. We don't know about them in our solar system, but in the rest of the galaxy, they are very, very common. We see them around other stars all the time. Usually we think those are more like Neptune than like the Earth. So I'm, I'm optimistic that it's going to be on the brighter side. Um, but I also know that our ability to sort of predict what planets are really like until we see them is, is not very good. So it's always a chance it's going to be on the fainter side, going to take a few more years to find, or on the brighter side, and we find it today, tomorrow, next year. Not quite sure. So I would say stay tuned, and uh, Planet Nine is on the way, and uh, we are soon to be back to having nine planets in our solar system. Where can our listeners check out your latest findings? Constantine and I try very hard to keep uh, the public updated on on everything about Planet Nine and where to search what we know about it at Find Planet Nine. That's spelled out nine n i n e dot blogspot b l o g s p o t dot com. So if you go there, you'll see every time we we write a new paper, we do a net new analysis. We put a, a detailed um, explanation at the level that I think people can really understand what we're doing, how we're doing it, and and where things might be. So follow along there and you can see all the latest of what's happening. So cool. Big thanks to Dr. Mike Brown, Richard and Barbara Rosenberg, Professor of Planetary Astronomy at the California Institute of Technology, for joining us on REACH. We'd also like to thank Kay Ferrari at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory and everyone at NASA Space Place. Got a question about space? Let us know. Get your parents' permission and give us a call at 312-248-3402. Then leave us a message with your first name, where you're from, and your question for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. 
we can also accept your questions via email. Just send us your first name, where you're from, and what question you'd like answered at reachthepodcast at gmail.com. That's it for this week on Reaching Out. We're your hosts, Meredith Stepien and Brian Holden. Reach is produced by Nate DeFort and Sandy Marshall and edited by Nate DeFort. Our theme song and additional music was composed by Jesse Case, and our logo was created by Stephen Lyons. Reach is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to soundsingtonmedia.com. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.